Welcome to Passion Life Church. Welcome to our good friend, Rex Crane. I took the long way around. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. How are you? Turn to somebody. Tell them you look better than the last time I saw you. Tell them this year's going to be good, whether you like it or not. Come on. Stir yourself up a little bit. Say hello to somebody. Shake hands. And then you can be seated. So glad that you're here today on this Sunday. January, you made it. 2023. That's a miracle in itself. You survived COVID. You survived riot season. You survived all the political craziness. Well, at least some of it. And you're still here in church in 2023. Welcome. My name's Rex Crane. My wife's not with me today. She's my better half or my, my little girl. But um, I do have a friend of mine that travels with me. Ben Figueroa, will you stand up for a minute, please? Ben is a friend of mine, a psychologist. He's traveled with me for about 14 years, 15 years, 16 years, whatever it is. After his family got healed, God opened our door for us to have a relationship and he's been able to travel with me all over. Uh, I want to say thank you today to your pastor, Pastor Phil. Why don't we give Pastor Phil and Val and their young world shaker, Gavin, a big old clap. I love Gavin, and I love Pastor Phil, and I love you guys. And I, before I speak today, I want to give all the volunteers and the ushers, people doing the sound and the people that did a great job of doing the music this morning, can we give them a big old clap? Come on, they put a lot of energy, a lot of effort in. Thank you so very much. Awesome. Uh, before I turn, have you turn the Bible, if you have one, I'll turn to Mark chapter 10. If you have one, you can go there. Um, if you go on your phone or if you actually carry a Bible, I still like to carry mine. I still like to write in mine. Come on, somebody. I still believe in it. I love to tear this thing. I write, I go through them all the time. I love to write in them and I notes. And, um, I heard a great story. Um, have you heard Kevin Hart, the uh, comedian? All right. If you haven't, we'll pray for you. Um, he's like on every commercial possible, I think. Kevin Hart was, when he came to Hollywood, he was really, really struggling financially. And he would ask his mom constantly, hey, mom, I'm short on rent. Can you hook me up? His mother was an educator, single mother out of Chicago. Really, really great woman. She would say, you need to go read the Bible. And he goes, mom, I don't got no time for no Bible. He goes, well, then we're not going to have any more of this conversation. Next month would come. Mama, I need help. I'm behind on rent. Go read your Bible, Kevin. No, Mom, I don't got no time for no Bible. Well, this went on and on for many months. Finally, the sixth month, Kevin was at the point of being evicted, and he called his mother, and he was like, oh, I know what she's going to say. So sure enough, she calls his mother and said, Mom, I'm about to be evicted. They're gonna, I don't have enough money. Can you please spot me some money so I can continue on? He says, it's really tough out here. He goes, go read your Bible. He goes, I read it. She goes, no, you didn't. Go read it and then call me back. Fine, Mom, I'll read the Bible, whatever. And he's hung up the phone. He went and opened the Bible, and when he went to open the Bible, he found six months of rent checks his mother had put in there in Christmas of the year before. He was struggling with provision, favor, and opportunity, and all of that was hiding in the Word. Come on, somebody. How many know the Word is alive? It's full of power. Mark chapter 10, verse 45. I'll actually do 45 through 52. I'll just read it straight if you want to follow with me. It says, the Son of Man, meaning Jesus, 
did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a sacrifice for many. How many of you are grateful that Jesus came to be served? Isn't that amazing? He, come on, even he says, if you want to have a great life, find service. How many know if you're in business, best product does not win. Best service doesn't win. Yeah, if you could have the greatest product or thing, it's how you serve people determines whether you create raving fans or not. Jesus said, if I'm going to go high, I got to go low. If you want your life to become great, find someone to serve. Find somebody to give them an experience they can't get anywhere else, and they'll always keep coming back. Find ways to be able to improve the quality of people's lives. Make your wife, make your spouse, make your children raving fans. Come on, make them passionate fans that they can't wait for you to walk in that door. They can't wait for you to come home. Come on, it's not like, hey, what's up? It's like, man, I've waited for you all flipping day. Come on, how many know if we would turn our serve on a little bit, how many know our whole families, our communities could go to the next level? Come on, we don't want to just have like a great like idea of a relationship. Well, how does it become great? You don't have to have all the skills. Just be willing to serve somebody, do for somebody else what they don't do for themselves, and they never want you to leave. You become so incredibly more valuable. How many believe this year you could become so much more valuable to the world that's around you? You can really be the light of the world where they see your good works and they glorify God, saying God's with that person. They have a spirit of service upon them. My grandfather worked with Mother Teresa, and they would do so many things. Mother Teresa didn't talk well. She didn't preach well. She didn't dress well. Come on. She didn't wear makeup well, but she knew how to serve the dying, the disease, the hurting of humanity, not to become popular, but it was her purpose. Her purpose became her power and what she was known for, all because she was willing to get her hands a little bit dirty. Even Jesus, before going to the cross, this little side note here, what did he do? He told all of his apostles, all the disciples that were with him, that were about to betray him, he said, take off your shoes. I'm going to get down and put a wet towel on my waist, and I'm going to begin to remove dirt from your feet. I'm going to offer you mercy and serve you, even though you're about to betray me and disown me. I'm going to serve you and offer mercy to you. Come on, the greatest servant of humanity, come on, before he even went to the cross in his mind. And the Bible says, let that mind be in you. How many realize our lives would be so much better if we had a mind to come into every place to serve somebody? It's tough to be offended and bothered at people when you have an attitude, you can't hurt me, I'm just here to serve. Somebody needs to hear that because we live in a world of offense and come on, the social media would love you this year. Politics would love you. Medical, come on, community would love you to be divisive. Imagine if you just had an attitude everywhere I go, I'm going to serve people. I'm going to light people up. I'm going to smile. I'm going to use all 82 muscles in my face and I'm going to make this place better just because I was here. How many know you'll have a lot more joy, which means you'll have a lot more strength, hey? Can it really happen? Absolutely. Let me continue on. Verse 46. They came to a place called Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, sat by the roadside begging. When he heard it was Jesus of Nazareth coming through, Jesus from Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many told him to be quiet and hold his peace. Another translation says, told him to shut up. But he cried out all the more. Someone say all the more. Say it like you got energy. Say all the more. 
Yo, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And it stopped Jesus in his tracks. Okay, watch how cool this is. Jesus stood still, verse 49, commanded him to be called. So they came and called the blind man. They go, be of good cheer, rise, he's calling you. I want you to say these words. Say, be of good cheer, rise, he's calling me. Slap the person next to you. If you have someone next to you, say, he's calling you. Come on, pretend you're at T.D. Jake's church. Just hit him. Come on. Verse 50, casting away his outer garment, he rose up and came to Jesus. And Jesus goes, yo, what can I do for you? That's the ghetto translation. And the blind man said, Lord, I came to reget or regain my sight. Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Immediately he recovered his sight and followed Jesus on the way. You're not going to like today. You're going to love it. Come on. This is going to be really good. The title of this is Flip the Switch. How many know the power company has already delivered, come on, and generated the power that's at your house? If you're to have a party tonight, come on, and you were to call the electric company and go, yo, I'm having a big party, a quinceanera. Come on, somebody. Come on, you can see Rexica and the Mexican and all that. Come on, somebody. Come on, we're going to have a pinata. We're going to have some dancing. We're going to have a big old Super Bowl party coming up. Can you come out and turn on the power? They'll say, well, we already supplied the power. It's within your reach. Well, no, can you come flip the switch on? No, 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 that's not in our agreement. Our agreement was we would supply the power. It would be up for you to flip the switch. Come on, somebody. We've all had a moment in our life where we flipped the switch, where you were passionate, you were alive, you were creative, you were more loving than you've ever been. If there's a moments in your life, every one of us could go back to, man, you were on high with faith. You were hoping the best everywhere you went. There was energy inside you, a skip in your step. There was a glide in your stride. You had momentum about you. You had a flow about you. Everything was just, even if stuff was crazy around you, you were alive and turned on. Anybody ever felt that? It could have been in a relationship you got with. Come on. I remember like you, when I first met my wife, I was so alive. Time forgot, like when I was on the phone, how long you would talk to somebody or pour into someone. Come on. You were just in the moment. You were on. You were flipped on. But if you go talk to most people right now, even a week into the new year, 80% of people have broke their resolutions already. Come on. Not you, but somebody else. Come on, somebody. Not you, but your neighbor. Come on. Not you, but your relatives. And you see a sense of powerlessness in people. How do I get back to flipping the switch? When you don't flip the switch, the lights go on, don't go on. You live in the dark. You don't have heat. You don't have power. By the way, you want to keep the devil off your light? Stay on fire. Notice bugs don't go on top of stoves that are on fire. You want to keep the devil off your life? Stay on fire for God. He wants to go nowhere around you. If you keep the altar of your heart, like Leviticus says, open to God and surrender to God and let him continue to touch you by his Holy Spirit, where you stay on fire, no devil in hell can stop you because the devil only goes where it's cold. Come on, somebody. Not where there's heat. Come on, somebody. If you want him to stay off your marriage, provide some heat. I'm just waiting on the Lord. How long are you going to wait? Two-thirds of his name is go. The other two-thirds of his name is do. How long are you going to wait on him? Come on, watch how powerful. 
Powerlessness is the sense or the root of all negative emotions, that sense of powerlessness. If you feel powerless to change your past, what do you feel? Guilty or condemned? How many know you're a product of your past, you don't have to live as a prisoner of it? Come on, smiling on. Aren't you grateful for the blood of Jesus has cleansed you from your past and God's grace has made you a new creation? Not your own salvation, his salvation touching you. But if you feel powerless to change your future, you feel scared, nervous, come on, afraid, worried. The word worry means to strangle, to choke, air off. You see a lot of people, they're nervous what's going to happen. Is, is Jesus coming back? Is this the end times? Am I going to get a mark on my head? They're already putting chips in people in, in Finland. They're doing it in Sweden. They're doing it in Scotland. That is happening in the world. So people are nervous. What's going to happen? Are we going to have a recession? Come on, somebody. Is Joe Biden going to fall off his bike again and he's going to lead our country? Just reporting the news. Smile, even if you got a couple teeth. Try it. People are nervous about their future. You feel powerless to change your present, you make you feel depressed, angry. If you start to feel like allergies won't change, your relationships won't change, the economy won't change, it gets you to a place where you get angry, but you start to accept a weak life, a powerless life. Come on, somebody. You ever been there where all of a sudden, like, you have a defeat in an area or discouragement or disappointment, and all of a sudden you start to feel like other areas of your life, nothing's going to turn out good? Come on, you decide to put you on a one-down position where you start thinking, oh my gosh, this is where Bartimaeus finds himself. He was raised by a dad, son of uh, Timaeus. His dad was blind. He was raised in a blind community. His mother wasn't, ra- wasn't around to raise him. She gave birth to him, but he had a fractured family. Interesting that he became on the outside what he learned to live on, what was around him and on the inside. Bartimaeus could see as a kid That's why he said, Jesus, I want to get back my vision. I want to get back my sight. He was raised in a blind colony, and there was a moment in his life where he physically lost his sight. When he did, they gave him a coat. They put a coat on him. That was the diagnosis, the medical diagnosis, that now you are handicapped. And because you're handicapped, you can live on a bed. You can beg for money. You can legally panhandle and live off the contributions of other people. In other words, you can embrace socialism because you got handicapped. Tell me that's not working in our world right now. We're diagnosing everybody with everything. And if we misdiagnose each other or misdiagnose ourselves, we mistreat ourselves. When we adopt a label that we can't, that we're not enough, that we're not lovable, that God can't do something, we start to, all of a sudden we start looking for handouts and begging off other people's faith, other people's charity, looking for someone or something to change our life while we stay powerless. Life comes about getting by. I don't know about you, the worst thing would be to get to the end of my life thinking what could have been, should have been, that never became because I never gave my ability responsibility. I was waiting on someone to love me. I was waiting on someone to provide for me. I was waiting on someone to change my, come on somebody, not looking that God's already put power inside me. How do I flip the switch? Anybody with me? Come on, smile if you're here. He's raised in this community Blindness is all he knows, but things are different this day on the streets of Jericho. Come on. People are tweeting, yo, that dude from Nazareth is in town. Come on, they're on Google before he got kicked off. Come on, somebody. 
before Zuckerberg kicked him off on Facebook. Yo, the guy from Nazareth, he's in town. The guy from Nazareth, have you heard about the guy from Nazareth? Have you heard about that guy from Nazareth? Have you heard about that? They don't have no Bible. Have you heard about that guy from Nazareth? He turned water into wine. Have you heard about that guy from Nazareth? He walks on water. Have you heard about that guy from Nazareth? He raised a little boy from the dead. He interrupted a funeral. Have you heard about that boy from Nazareth? That man from Nazareth. They say he was a carpenter, but he he does miracles and the wisdom of the works that are done by his hand. He ain't normal. They started talking. All of a sudden, there was a testimony of Jesus. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 19, the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. If you have a testimony from Jesus, that's probably why you're here today. It's usually not new believers coming into church. Don't lose your testimony. It's proof that you've overcome the devil, but it's also proof that when you speak it, the same grace that gave you a testimony can give somebody else a testimony. Think about it. When you start talking about, this is what Jesus has done in my life, someone needs to be proud. Not all hush, come on. Not a faith that's quiet, not a faith that's stagnant, but one that's stimulated. Because a faith that's stimulated is a faith that speaks. It's a spirit of faith. You believe, therefore you speak. When you start talking about, hey, I was sick and Jesus healed me. I had cancer and Jesus removed it. Come on. I had COVID real bad. Jesus changed it. I was in debt, $28,000. Jesus got me out. When you start talking about it, the same power that did the miracle for you becomes pregnant to help somebody else get out of it. I pray you never stop telling people about your testimony. Don't give it. God didn't just give it to you. He gave it to you to get it to somebody else. They got to hear what Jesus can still do. Not just from a long time ago, but what's he doing now? Oh, I could take you. I was in uh, Utah a couple months ago, and I gave a word before I went. I said it's a sign that there's about to be a move of God. I prophesied on a TV show. I said there's going to be an earthquake, and you'll see the angel Marana fall. It will be national news. You see the angel Marana, the big Mormon uh, angel that gave Joseph Smith the message. You'll see him crumble and fall because of the earthquake. It will be a sign for the Jesus movement that's about to come to Utah. A week before I came, massive earthquake. Go look it up online. The only thing that fell, the angel Marana. Crumbled and fell. When I was there, God gave a word. It's a true story. Go look it up online, CNN, whatever, fake news, whatever you want to go look at it. It's still on there. (laughs) MSN, Fox, they're all crazy. Come on. I got there, and there was a guy, there was two guys, and I gave a word. Ben's seen this. It was on a thing. I called the guy out. I go, here's what's going to happen. November 14th and November 15th, and a meeting just like this. You're about to close the biggest deal of your life on the 14th, and another different thing's going to come in, million-dollar deal on the 15th. The guy was just working behind the scenes. He texted, he goes, the craziest thing happened. This is three, four months prior. He goes, the craziest thing happened. He goes, on that date, he said, I got a $24 million deal, and the next day, a $4.5 million dollar deal. You saw the text. They sent in. He said, Jesus could have the only one who would have been able to do this thing and pull this off. I didn't have the relationships. I didn't have the contacts. All I knew what to do is put my hand to do something, but God released a word. Jesus did it. Come on. Why do you say that? To give you hope. What if I took you to Minnesota a couple weeks ago where six crippled people in one meeting, six people, people with walkers walked out of there holding their walkers Six people that were crippled from, for a long time, Jesus instantly healed them. Now, if I tell you that, faith emerges inside of your heart. If I took you to San Diego a couple weeks ago, three crippled people, one girl, she not been able to hardly move for 11 years, walked like this. 
And she took off freaking running and dancing. Immediately changed the whole atmosphere shift. And when she got broken free, she said, Jesus healed me. Nobody would know I've had this pain and there's no way to cure it. But when she did it and she started talking about it, other people started getting hope and faith, saying, I could break out here. I could be healed here. Hey, doesn't the Bible say faith cometh by hearing? Hearing the word of? The word of who? Dr. Fauci? Donald Trump? Joe Biden, Barack Obama, no, wait, 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 straight, come on, Drake, come on, LeBron James, Kim Kardashian, Bachelor in Paradise, come on, faith comes by hearing who? The words of God. God doesn't decide how much faith you have. You do. He gave everybody the same measure. Come on, somebody. Well, why isn't it working? Probably because you ain't working it. Faith without work is just an idea. Hey, this is good. Watch. So he hears about Jesus. And what he hears, obviously now something shifts. He disrupts. He calls out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many try to be quiet. I mean, it's interesting. At one moment, he hears something. His belief changes. His vision changes. He can't see with his outer eyes, but he sees something on the inside from what he heard. From what he heard. Every time you open the word, the Bible says it's a mirror. It lets you see things beyond your intellect, beyond your sense realm. It changes the way you believe. How many know what you receive is connected to what you believe? What you receive is connected to what you believe. Whether you walk out of here today and you got anything or didn't get anything has nothing to do with God, has everything to do with what you chose to believe that you got. Jesus said, according to whose faith? Your faith. Whatever you believe, you become. Beliefs conform, they transform, they guide your interactions. They teach you what to expect, what to think, what to feel, what to do. They're the limits of your decisions. Watch how powerful. He hears about God, something shifts inside of him. One morning, I was, or one night, I was out in Malibu, California, and I was speaking, and I started to speak, and I used a scripture that Matthew 4, 17. Jesus says, change your mind, the kingdom of God's within hand. This guy in the very back of the room goes, I want it, then if I can have it. I want what you just said. I want what you have. He interrupted the whole meeting. The ushers went to the back. Brother, sit down. You're in God's holy house. Wait till he gets done speaking and see if he'll pray for you. And he goes, no, if you say I can have it, I want it. Interrupts the whole meeting. Come on. I don't know if he's demonized. Come on, somebody. He's desperate. Come on, but when you're desperate, you'll do things when you're not desperate. When you're hungry, you'll eat things that you don't normally eat. Come on. When you get desperate, things shift. Woman issue of blood, she got desperate. She did some drastic measures. When you get desperate, that means, hey, I'm not going back to something. I'm not going to stay hooked. I'm not going to stay addicted to this. I'm not going to be that kind of a narcissistic behavior. I'm not going to be jealous. I'm not going to be abused anymore. I'm not going to live impoverished anymore. I'm not going to live poor anymore. I'm not going to live as a victim or a statistic anymore. When you get to that place, something shifts inside you. Realize you can't access your future till you disrupt your present. Did you just catch that? Rex can't access what God has for him till he's willing to disrupt his present. Why? Because many of us, our normal becomes our enemy. 
This is the way I normally worship. This is the way I normally pray. This is the way I normally love. Well, this is the way I normally give. This is the way I normally envision. This is the way I normally work out. How many know, you? come on, we become such products, so come on, of doing the predictable things over and over, ruts and routines, that the normal can become your enemy. Sometimes for things to get different and flip the switch, you got to become different and get a little radical. Come on. Get a little bit radical. He got radical. This guy got radical in the back. And I just said to him, I go, you know what? I love your energy. Come to the front. I could not tell. The guy had a brace from here all the way down to his back. And he walked like, come on, Frankenstein. It took him two minutes in front of people to get all the way to the front. That's a long time when you're trying to speak to a bunch of people. He finally got up to the front and he asked him, are you a believer? He goes, I want to be. He goes, can you hook me up? What you said. You said the king, that God's, he's right here. I can't see him, but I believe he's here. So I just prayed a little prayer. I said, Jesus, if you're anywhere around the neighborhood, come on, big man of faith, praise God. I'm sure you'll want to give to my ministry after that. Come on. Don't ask that guy to pray for you. I go, Jesus, if you're anywhere around Malibu, help this guy out. All of a sudden, he falls on his knees. My dad's had back surgery, so anybody's had back surgery, it's very delicate, and he had rods and everything in his back. And I was like, oh, snap. In my head, I'm trying to think, keep it together in front of the people. In my mind going, I hope he's okay. He falls on his knees. So I just put my hand on his shoulder, and I continued to speak to the people for maybe about 30 seconds. And all of a sudden, out loud, you heard, pop, pop, pop. He goes, ah. I go, what? And he goes, Something happened. All of a sudden, he starts pulling off this big, massive brace, undoing it from the front all the way down. No help. He pulls the thing off. His back, everything. I don't know medically all that took transpired, but the guy walked up like Frankenstein, and he did. He fell down on his knees. All of a sudden, it popped out loud where you could hear it, and everything shot back in the guy's back and his lineman. He took off walking and running. He went to hug me because he was crying so much, and when he did, he goes, Hey! I can hear, I can hear, I've been deaf since birth in my ear. I can hear, I can hear, I can hear. One after the other, a man got disruptive. Watch. And then he goes, can you do anything about me being gay? True story. You know what's great? When God's power shows up, you don't have to correct behavior. He'll correct behavior. You don't got to preach enemy against stuff. You preach the goodness of God. The goodness of God can change the ills of every human heart. Perversion, adultery, homosexuality, jealousy, bitterness, rage, unforgiveness. When you you talk about the power of the cross, Billy Graham talked about it. It confronts the evils in people's hearts. But when the power of God touches people, God's goodness is so good it can get it all out. Not just the outside but the inside. That guy walked out of there not just free on the outside, but free on the inside. He disrupted things in a moment. I'll run a little risk here, but I'm going to go ahead and tell you. You don't know this story, Phil. A couple weeks ago, I was invited by uh, uh, Facebook to go speak to Mr. Zuckerberg's staff at Facebook. And they brought all of these top execs from Instagram, Google, you name it. They all came to a mansion down in Newport Beach. I was invited to speak. They had all these crazy people in there ahead of me. And they said, can you come in and motivate? They don't know I'm a minister. They just think, hey, can you be a personal growth consultant? Sure. <laughs> if I was invited today to go to the, to the Muslim 
Come on, to the place where they do all, where they teach about Islam, the, the, the synagogue or a synagogue, they told me to do a Buddhist temple or the mosque. If they invited me anywhere, I would go. Brother, don't you know that they could get you there? Well, I thought greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. What am I nervous? What an awesome opportunity. I would be loved to be invited to go speak to a mosque. Why? Because in their Quran it says Jesus heals 22 times. You can't convince Christians Jesus will heal, but Muslims actually believe Jesus still heals. Well, if he can heal your body, he can heal your spirit. Isn't that interesting? you got to fight Christians just to believe in healing, and yet they teach that in Islam. Go look at the Quran. Jesus heals 22 times. It's the easiest conversion in the world because once he heals their body or their mind or their family, it can easily, they want what he has for their spirit. Come on. I love it. So I'm, anyways, I go speak at this place, and I'm, there's a man speaking ahead of me. He's a venture capitalist, and he was hypnotizing the people. The best way to describe it was a really bad environment. He was partnered with the Sean King, head of Black Lives Matter, but it was a really tough culture. Uh, everything you could imagine about Facebook, it, that times 10. It was that kind of a group. And I was sitting in there going, oh, snap. And my wife was in there. She goes, she could tell I was getting a little restless. And I was in the kitchen area getting ready to go on. And this guy was having a real, like, he was doing some crazy stuff at the front with all these executives. And then my wife comes up and she goes, she knew I was getting a little bothered. She grabs my butt. (laughs) It's a true story. My wife grabbed my butt. She says, don't you dare back off. She says, you go in there. Who cares if they never invite you back again? You go give them Jesus. This might be their one flipping shot. You don't back off. You're my man, but you go in there and you speak. You go after their soul. Don't hold back. Don't be a wuss. You go in there. Come on. Thank God for some women like that. Come on. If she just would have told me that without the butt grab, I'm not sure I would have done it. Come on. It was that butt grab that did it. Come on, somebody. Someone's like, hey, baby, I'm going to do that later. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, exactly. Let your fountain be blessed. That's what the proverb says. So I went in there, started to speak, and people were really tight. And all of a sudden, this woman stood up. This woman, an African woman, she stood up. And she goes, come on, people. That's the kind of spirit we need in here. I said one good thing. I said, like, God's not auditioning other people for your role. And I said something like really, really, it was good. Whatever I said, it was good. This woman goes, that's what we need up in here, people. We don't need that other spirit. We need that kind of spirit. Let's get on with this thing. Go ahead, white man. Do your thing. This is in front of all the freaking execs. All the white people are like, sure, let's go ahead and do it. Come on. She's like, let's come on with this stuff. Come on, white boy. So I started speaking, and all of a sudden, it took one woman to be an advocate to disrupt something. It only takes one person in a family, one mom, one dad, that says, hey, our house is going to stand for love. One woman said, hey, I believe my children will be mighty in the land. Not might be mighty in the land. My kids will be mighty in the land. Someone ought to start saying, my little, your kids, your grandkids, your uncles, your, come on, your uncles, your, nie- your aunts. Tell that to your kids. Tell that to your grandkids. Tell that to the kids you see on the street. I want you to know something. God says you're going to be mighty in the land. They won't disrespect you. You're going to be powerful in the land. You're going to be mighty in the land. So I started to speak, and all of a sudden, I called this woman out. The crowd said, do you mind standing up? She got all nervous, like, what do you do? My wife's like, what the heck are you going to do? I'm supposed to be teaching. i got 30 minutes. They're going to pull me off the stage in 30 minutes. They told me that. 30 minutes tight. I said, can I tell you about, uh, can I tell you about your future? 
She goes like, are you psychic? I go, not really. And I go, but before I tell you about your future, let me tell you about the dream you've had for the last two years and how it's tormented you and you felt like you're a, tor- you're a haunted house. But God doesn't want you to be a haunted house anymore. He wants you to be a happy house where you enjoy living in your own skin and live out the wonder. I told her the dream in front of everybody. Bam, nobody prayed for her. Bam, she went out. Down on her knees. Now I got all the execs freaking out. This is different than the Tony Robbins. You can do it. And I like Tony. Come on, I'm going to do stuff with his people in the next couple weeks. Come on, you can do it. Tony's awesome. He needs Jesus, but he's awesome. Come on, somebody. Then I went down the line. I go to the woman, woman from, from Hong Kong. I said, you, you can't do the job that Mark brought you in here to do. I need you. She's in the New York office. I said, come, come to the front. I said, you got this and this and this wrong with your back. How do you know? I go, I know stuff. I'm feeling very centered today. You have to talk a language. Come on, somebody. She came to the front. I go, in Jesus' name, be healed. Boom, the power of God shot through her. She got instantly healed. Can I tell you something? They gave me 30 minutes to speak, all because one lady disrupted the negative atmosphere after that guy was hypnotizing people. In one moment, I walked out four hours and 32 minutes later. I prayed for every type of person except for two, one after the other, after the other, after the other, crying on the floor. Demons came out of some people. People that were sick in their bodies were healed. People that were hurting in their soul and their heart got healed, all because one person disrupted the atmosphere. Bartimaeus has disrupted the atmosphere. I'm going to move quickly. Watch how powerful. Okay, watch. That was a risky story to tell, huh? What happens? Oh my gosh, are they going to invite you back? It looks like they're going to. I just spoke to some people from Google a couple weeks ago after that. Ah! It's amazing when you stand for something, people want you. When you play middle of the road, come on like an armadillo, you get ran over. You ain't called to blend in. You're called to shine as a light in a dark place. You're a pilgrim. This isn't your home. Stop acting like it. Use stuff. Don't let it use you. Don't let your life be about collecting. Come on. Let your life be about living out your purpose and your calling. Let life be about, come on, maximizing the potential God gave you. Let life be about, come on, plundering hell, bringing some people to heaven with you. Let life be about bringing healing to the brokenhearted, hope to hurting humanity, healing to sick bodies, letting the kingdom of God flow through you. Come on, this isn't your home. Why are we trying to hold on? Come on. Your citizenship is in heaven. Come on. Why are we trying to get so attached to this world? Let's store up treasure, not just here. Let's store up treasure there. Let's have a vision of eternity. It will change your value system. Someone needs to hear that. Eternity changes your value system. Paul the apostle said, since what's of real value, give yourself to that. Man, if heaven's in view, I might want to do things a little bit different. Change your character, how you handle the relationships, because I'm going to go one day to eternity. Come on, somebody. And we watched in the NFL how fragile life can be this past week. One minute, come on. The next minute, you don't know. Come on. But while I'm here, I want to be a good steward of what God gave me. Come on, life is a trust. If you treat everything as a trust, you'll treat it better. Your marriage is a trust. Your children are a trust. Maybe you failed last year, but that ain't this year. Come on. That doesn't equal then. Biography does not equal destiny. Come on. Watch how powerful. Bartimaeus disrupted everything. 
And I believe all those people next to him, they go, hey, hey, be quiet. Hey, hey, be quiet. Come on, tone it down. I think that's the voices of political oppression that we're experiencing, medical oppression. Come on, people, everyone trying, hey, be quiet. Don't use your voice. Don't use your voice. Don't tell new people about stuff. No, 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 don't, 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 don't use your faith right now. I think the people that want him to be quiet the most is probably his dad. Because they're used to him being blind. When you go to push above average, sometimes the people so familiar with you, they don't know what to do with you. Because now you're, they're afraid you're going to outgrow them. Anybody ever been there or am I the only one? When I've gone to grow, people around me, I've watched people malfunction. Why? Because they're not going to another level and they want to relate to me only at that level. I ain't staying at that level. I'm going higher. I'm going to become more excellent, not sloppy in my habits. Come on. I'm going to treat people with a new profound respect and honor. I'm going to do things a little bit different because I want to get better. Come on. Aren't you glad for problems? A couple of you, all the rest of you are like, oh, hell no. (laughs) Problems are what grow you. Problems can be solved. Come on, you were created to solve a problem. There's a solution in every human being in here. Dentists solve teeth problems. Come on, somebody. Come on, mechanics solve car problems. Come on, medical physicians solve medical problems. There's a solution in you, a gifting in you to bring a cure on this planet. If you understand the problem that infuriates you, you will recognize what you're anointed to heal. This can help somebody. Come on. What gets under your skin? I hate watching people suffer. Even if it's their own decisions that put them there, I hate watching people suffer. Why? So what will I do? I fight against it any way I can. Not just on a stage. I do more behind the stage than I do on a stage. I stay for hours to try to help other people in their body. Some people get healed instantly. Some people get gradually. God's the healer. That does not change. Okay, is that fair? But I will sit there. People are even willing to make their worst choices. I, I feel like, man, I, was still, I want to do whatever I can to stop the suffering. I hate it. I don't just like it. I flip and hate it. And that anger is actually energy and fuel because it draws out a compassion. It recognizes I'm not okay with people suffering. I don't want to be cool with, oh, that person feels like hell. That's just too bad for them. I don't want to do that. If I represent the king who was moved with compassion and healed the sick, moved with compassion and delivered people from addictions, moved with compassion, I want his heart to move mine. Anybody want his heart to move mine? To move yours? His heart. Where you don't walk by, well, I'm suffering, Rex. I'm hurting, Rex. Well, while you're getting better, help somebody else get better. And the good news is, he didn't even teach that in AA. We ought to adopt that in the church. Come on, where you go through, watch. Getting better, reconciling things, and reconciling people, as the scripture says. He says, son of David. And Jesus does three things quickly. He says, number one, be of good cheer. Could you imagine you're telling a guy, he's blind, he's a beggar, he's got a coat that labels him as you're disabled and you're handicapped. And let me say that you're only as handicapped as you want to be. That's the person next to you say, you're only as handicapped as you want to be. Oh, that's not true, Rex. Have you seen the blue thing that they put in the car for people that are handicapped? Yeah, I do. But I also got a friend, Nuke Vuvichik, who has no arms, no legs. He does more than I do physically than what I do physically, and I was a professional athlete. 
I know a lot of people that explode beyond the limits of their conditions because they're not handicapped in their attitude or handicapped in their mind or waiting for handouts from somebody else or for socialism to come and pay their bills, but they got off their booty and did something with their faith. Come on. They didn't sit in pity. Come on, somebody. They wanted power. You can't have power and pity this year. You got to make up your mind which one you want. And has self-pity ever helped you? Has it ever given anything to you? Come on. I know for sure when I've had pity parties, they've done nothing. If you feel like you need to have a pity party, schedule it. (laughs) Every Saturday, Phil, what do you think about this? 10 o'clock, you get 10 minutes to gripe, complain about all the ills in the world. And then after that 10 minutes, you got to shut your trap for the next seven days. And you got to rejoice and praise God. Because the Bible says that everything that hath breath, praise the... Plus, the scripture says, a man has joy by the answer of his mouth. It didn't say when everything works, when everything's good, when everything's easy. It said, I have joy by the answer of my mouth. 85% of your emotional states come from the words you use. Think about that. Your words affect your biochemistry. If you say, I can't, I'm not, I'm just not that kind of a person. That's a phrase that murders dreams. I don't do that. I can't. How many times do you say I can't today? I can't. You can't. I can't. I can't. Those words curse your courage and potential. The Bible says you can do all things through him. Come on, where are you being your worst enemy? The enemy can't read your own thoughts. He's got to listen to the words you take. Don't let the devil feel like he's winning because you keep saying the things that are making you lose. Your mouth is making you lose, not God. Not circumstances, your own mouth. Shakespeare said your voice is your sword. Why don't you take the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, put that in your mouth and agree with God or to agree on something, it shall come to pass. Well, uh, I don't really believe all that name it claim. If you don't name it, you can't claim it. Oh, we want to talk about your voice for a minute? Do you know that you have an eye print that helps you get a, a driver's license, gives you access to a car? You have a, a fingerprint, right? That gives you access to like a, a passport. I just had to do it recently. I had to renew my passport internationally. But there's also, when I spoke at the Pentagon, they have certain things. You can't get to certain clearance and certain access until they recognize your voice print. Your voice print is your address in the spirit world. Demons and angels wait to see what you say about your life and about what's going on. They can only function to the degree you speak. Your voice print is a print because you're made in the image of God, a spirit with a soul in a body. And when you speak, you address things spiritually that you feel emotionally. Watch how powerful. Watch how powerful this is for a minute. The Bible says, watch. The Daniel says, Daniel chapter 10, verse 12. It says, angel said, we came, Daniel, not because of the prayer you prayed, but because of the words you spoke and commanded. Wow. Oh, man. Do you know there's access to the things of God when you begin to speak God's word over your family and over your life? Me and my household, we shall serve the Lord. My children will be mighty in the land. I am more than a conqueror over fear. I have a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. Surely Jesus took my sickness and pain and infirmity. By his stripes, I am healed. 
Through his blood, I have eternal salvation. I am the righteousness of God. I am anointed. You want to find an excellence come out of you? You want to find a power come out of you you never had before? Start declaring over yourself every day, I am anointed. I am anointed. What does that sound? It, sounds like, it means God's supernatural presence and power and favor working on you. It doesn't make you normal. You think I would step up here today hoping to do this on my own ability? I flunked out of Bible school because I cussed too much. It's a true story. I struggled. But I also remember the first time where that power, his power, not a power, his power, his presence came on me. And I started saying, I am anointed. I am anointed. I am anointed. You look at David, over-anointed. Psalm 92, I shall be anointed with fresh oil. My spiritual eyes will be open. My spiritual ears will be open. I'll flourish like a palm tree. Psalm 23, surely goodness and mercy will follow me. God anoints my head with oil. He anoints my mind. He anoints my thoughts. He anoints my words. He anoints my ears to hear. He anoints my eyes. He anoints me with fresh oil. Come on. What what, what causes the oil to leak? Come on, the Bible says dead flies putrefy the oil, says in Ecclesiastes. What do you mean dead flies attract demonic influence? How does that happen? Through open wounds. Come on. Notice bugs are always attracted to open wounds. They always come around where you have open wounds and where there's trash. You want to shut the door on the devil? Come on, let God heal you of the wound. Come on. Forgiving something, getting it to the light. Come on. Confession is made unto salvation and healing and hope and getting the trash out of your life. Come on, somebody. Don't leave the trash in your life. Someone needs to shut the door on the devil. To do that, you got to submit to God, then resist the devil. You can't cast out the devil you like to play with. People want to cast out the devil. They have no power. Come on over an Oreo cookie. What do you mean by that? Come on, in the middle of the night when Oreos call your name. Come on, don't act like they don't. Why do they always call like at 11.32 p.m.? It's never like at 12 o'clock in the daytime. Come on. Or chips. Come on, you get that salt rush. And you want those chips later. Anybody? Come on. Don't act like a guy. Come on, you're on your health kicks of the new year. New year, new me. Come on, I feel 80% of y'all already broke that thing anyways, whatever. Come on, let's have a standard, not a resolution. Resolutions require, watch, words. Come on, results require work. God tells him, I want you to be of good cheer. I got to move. Be of good cheer. Nothing had changed on the outside. But he told them to be of good cheer. Think about this. They even have a thing right now called a place of cheer and laughter for people with stress. All across America, they're raising up all these communities where people that are stressed out emotionally, relationally, financially, they go and they laugh and they celebrate for an hour. They're not even believers. How weird is that? I don't want to go. It'd be weird to watch. They go into an environment and they start jumping, celebrating, shouting, and dancing and cheering for a whole hour. It improves their heart rate, cleanses their blood, oxidates their blood. And by the way, disease only operates where there's lack of oxygen. It changes the cortisol, the stress hormone. You lose weight. You work out your stomach, your ab leaks, your back, your shoulders, your 82 muscles in your face, and you actually lose weight, all from smiling, jumping, and dancing, and cheering, and just rejoicing over nothing for an hour. The Bible says we are to rejoice always. You don't watch people rejoicing. They're all heavy. Come on, we're eight days into the new year. How you doing? Man, you know... 
started off pretty good, but then, you know, like Friday, 15 freeway, come on, somebody. I left up one of those middle fingers. Come on, somebody. So-and-so got under my skin. Come on, somebody. I'm uh, dealing with depression on Thursday. Come on. Rejection on Tuesday. Come on. It was great last Sunday for New Year's Day. I got the priorities word. Come on. I got the priorities online. But then the problems hit. Am I the only one that has these things happen? Or are you so Christianized that you already got it all worked out? In fact, I know you don't because you're still here on planet Earth. That means you ain't done. You're in process no matter how Jesified you look. I don't care how big of a bumper sticker you got on the back of your car or a big old fish. Come on, somebody. You're still under construction. He says rejoice. You know that's Job Job 5.12? says you shall rejoice and laugh at famine and destruction. If there is a famine in the land, which there will probably be financially a little bit this year and the next year, you need to do something. You need to take an atmosphere of faith and a posture of confidence and say, God will supply all my needs. I'm going to laugh in the face of this. I'm not going to be tricked and deceived by what Don Lemon is saying or by what anybody on Fox is saying or definitely by MSN or anybody else is saying. I'm going to laugh in the face of it because the Bible says you shall laugh at destruction. You will laugh at famine. I'm going to laugh at it because their economy is not your economy. Economy means rules of the house. Will you play by the rules of the house of the world or will you be transformed and play by the rules of heaven? They operate on, I got to work by the sweat of my brow to get what I got to keep it. You operate on the kingdom. Whatever you sow is what you reap. The kingdom is like a seed, Jesus said. What does that mean? I gotta find seeds to sow, seeds to plant into the kingdom. I'm finding not just financial seeds, which is important, emotional seeds, relational seeds, kindness seeds, goodness seeds. I'm sowing in prayer, I'm sowing into the things of the Spirit. Isaac sowed in a time of famine and reaped a hundredfold, and they envied him. You're about church of, you need to hear me, church. You need to hear me laugh as a prophet. You need to hear this from him, not as a motivator. God's about to break his church out of financial constraints, but there is a different system you're going to have to play by. Not just name it and claim it. We're going to have to work. He'll bless the work of your hands. Look at your hands. Come on, somebody. That's not just hands working all looks pinning on me. I'm a man that makes my own way. I'm a woman. No, 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 no. The Bible says a fool trusts his own heart. Mr. T say, I pity the fool. No, no, no. That means if he's going to bless the work of my hands, I'm going to have an expectation. I might be going to a job I don't like, people I don't care for, but God, I'm going to put my hand on something. You ain't going to bless. I'm going to touch something. Touch something. Touch something. I'm going to touch something. I'm going to touch a lot of stuff. Everywhere the sole of my foot treads, he goes with me, and everything my hand touch, it shall prosper. It might not start out that way, but it shall it might not look like it, but it shall. The only thing that kills it and is the buzzkill is my expectation of God. Because God only works in faith. Well, I'm working hard. Are you expecting God to come through? Nah, someone else is more important. They got more skill. They got more talent. They got more opportunity. They come from a better background. They got a better color skin. They got, they're, they're prettier. They're sexier. They got better kids. They got this. Why are you, why, why you regulating all that to yourself? 
Faith is hard when your focus is yourself. Faith is easy and joyful when it's on Jesus. He told Sarah, rejoice. Sarah started laughing. You're going to have a kid. Come on, 90 years old. She laughed at the impossibility. He says, you're going to name your child laughter. Her laughter allowed her to create strength to conceive the impossible. Watch how powerful. Rejoice. Rise. He's calling you. Here, I'm going to finish quickly. He's calling you. Can you imagine he's sitting there and going, he's calling me. This is my moment. This is my time. The word moment comes from the word atom and atomic. An atom is the smallest particle of an element, tough to see, kind of like a day in your life. You have so many days in your life, kind of tough going, really one moment can switch it? Yeah, one moment changed it all. March 7, 1996, 8.44 p.m. I went from sitting in the very back of a church building, walking to the front saying, excuse me, I'm tired of being bound by sin. I'm tired of being perverse. I'm tired of being broke. I'm tired of being sick. My name's Rex Crane. Jesus, I'm signing up for this. If this is real, I want this. One moment can change everything. Adam is the smallest part. It's a small moment. But atomic is explosive. When you mix a moment with faith. When you mix a moment with, hey, I ain't letting this moment pass. I'm going to declare something. I'm going to rejoice in something. I'm going to do something. I'm going to shout with a voice of triumph. I'm going to rejoice. That's a word for you this year. You need to rejoice. You want the authority to flow? Psalm 149 says that God says this, that the high praise of God be in their mouth. Then a two-edged sword, the authority and the word of God in their hand. When you begin to rejoice and praise God, authority starts coming up. The devil can't go nowhere around someone that's full of praise. He can't function in that environment. Because his whole goal is to get you focused on what's not done, what you lost, what you lacked, why you're less than, and focus on what's behind you. A crow is the only animal that can take down an eagle. What does a crow do? It gets on the back of an eagle. And it gets there and it starts to peck at the neck. If an eagle turns around to fight the crow on the back, he becomes vulnerable because his neck is the only place that a little thing called a crow can get access to puncture him. So what does an eagle do? He doesn't fight what's behind him. He expands his wings and he shoots up. That's why the scripture says, those that wait upon the Lord, the word waits there is not sitting there going, I sure hope he comes through. Come on. It's expectancy and praise. Those that hope and wait and praise the Lord, they shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like an eagle. They'll run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not faint. Why what happens when an eagle goes up? That crow can't breathe at the oxygen an eagle can, can breathe at. There's demons cannot function and operate. When you begin to praise God, you go into a heavenly atmosphere. God in have us to praise the rejoicing of his people. Come on, give the Lord a clap and a shout. Even if you're not charismatic, stir yourself up this morning. Watch. Rise. He's calling you. Your calling is calling you. Your calling is calling. What's he calling you out of? What's he calling you into? What's he calling you out of? What's he calling you into? What's he calling you out of? What's he calling you into? You need to be asking God, show me my calling. Reveal to me my calling. Show me my calling. I don't want to miss my purpose and my calling. My calling, lead a life worthy of my call. Help me to live my calling, God. Not to live by other people's opinions. Give me, a, give me strength, understanding of my calling. That's why you made me. To love me and to live out a calling. 
Hell's not just going to a burning place where that is true. Hell would be not living out who you were meant to be and spending eternity going, I never lived out who I was called to ever be. That's a hell. Come on. Rise, he's calling you. Can you imagine the guy's blind? Jesus didn't come to him and go, oh, mijo, I know you can't see. I know you're blind. I feel really sad for you. I'll come over there and heal you where you are. Is that what we read? No, we read what? Rise and walk toward me. He can't see. All he has is a word from God. But one word from God is enough. Command blind potential walking. He can't see where he's going. Sometimes all you have is a word. Come on, somebody. All you can step out on is a word. He can step out on a feeling. Come on, faith is not in your feeling. Come on, faith is in your feet. Come on, somebody. Faith doesn't make things easy either. It just makes things possible. If you got a slack hand, you'll stay po. Don't have po faith. Come on. You want a rich hand? Come on, I want to find something to walk toward. I'm going to take some steps, not jump, steps. When you're here Sunday morning, what are you doing? Taking steps. Monday morning, come on, how are you going to use your faith tomorrow? We're going to take steps of faith tomorrow, the next day. In your relationships, a quick step you can take, a straight trade, expectation for appreciation. If you do, all the suffering stops. What do you mean? Intimate relationships, the place you get the most pain because you're most afraid there and most vulnerable there. And we're scared of getting hurt. Oh, am I the only one? Am I the only one with a burned marriage that happened to burn marriage like 30, whatever, 20 something years ago? I had a person walk out of my life. I didn't have the tools to have it. I, everything was about expectation. I tried to fix the person rather than enjoy the person. The thing was that she was hurting, but because I have healing inside of me and I spent so much time with a healer, I felt like I could cure them and fix them. Therefore, I did not enjoy them. I sabotaged my own relationship with my own gift. I'm not proud of that. I learned from it. They had their own issues, but I like to just, I can blame, but blame leaves me in bondage. It fights the past rather than releases me to the future. Some of you got to learn something. If I change my level of expectation of Pastor Phil and say, I'm, I'm going to appreciate him more than I have expectation, now I can enjoy him. Yeah. I sabotage a relationship when my expectation's high and my appreciation's low. Come on, somebody. Anybody got that little thing really quick? How many know if you just say, hey, I'm going to put it, I'm going to enjoy this person in my life. I'm going to enjoy them. I'm not going to try to fix them and correct them. I'm going to enjoy them. So God recently told me to do that with someone who's been an, ad, an addict in my family. An addict, they have an addiction. Forgive me for breaking, I break that confession. They've been at an addiction for eight years, lived on the streets. Very, very highly successful person, lost everything. And they came to Christmas this year for the first time in eight years. Off the streets, really, really bad. And the Lord said, don't do anything to try to fix them. Just do nothing but appreciate them and love them. And in a moment, after about five days, this person came and just wept and cried in my arms. And this person who hated my guts, she would say, I hope you burn in hell. I hope you burn in hell. I hope you burn in hell. Because she was under a bad spirit. But God told me, don't you try to go in there and fix them, even though you got power to fix them. The power don't work if they don't want the flip switched on. But if you love them and you enjoy and appreciate them and highlight something good about them, it'll make them feel good. It takes wisdom to win souls. And as I end, watch. He walked in and Jesus goes, how can I hook you up? But before he started walking, he did something. He threw off his coat. He divorced himself from an old story. I don't know what your old story is. Abuse. Divorce. Sickness, ADD, I don't know what it is. I didn't graduate. 
We weren't, we weren't, we weren't white enough. We weren't black enough. We weren't, we weren't brown enough. We, we, we weren't smart enough. My, I came from a broken family. I was a result of a rape. I don't know what your coat says. I've worn a coat the whole time here. What does your coat say? On the back of mine, that produced so much shame in my eyes was shame, hurt, let down. People didn't come through for me. I'm wondering how my future's still going to work out but it left me powerless with my switch still off. At some point, if I was going to walk into my calling, I had to let the coat go. I had to divorce myself from my old story if I was going to merge with God's new story. Nobody could throw it off for me. Nobody could pray that coat off me. Nobody could command that coat off me. I had to be willing to look into the mirror of God's word and go, this don't fit me no more. This fear don't fit me no more. This, I might have the emotions, but this does not have to be my being. This don't fit me no more. This don't fit me no more. Unforgiveness doesn't fit me anymore. Bitterness doesn't fit me anymore. Disease doesn't fit me anymore. What do you need to discard today? He walked toward Jesus. Jesus goes, what do you want me to do? He goes, I came to get back my sight. I came to get back my sight. And Jesus said, your faith. Someone say my faith. My faith. Your faith has made you well. Do you know that your faith today can change your world? Watch all eyes on me for a minute. Your faith can change your world. It can change your family. It can change your relationship with God. You're saved by faith. You're to walk by faith. Four times in the Bible it says we are to live by faith. The word live actually means you will recover strength and enjoy your life by faith. Come on. There's a spirit of faith. You believe, therefore you speak. Faith turns weakness into strength. It allows you to obtain what's been promised. Faith, come on, is an opportunity. Every one of us, if you're breathing, you have an opportunity to use your faith and put it to work again today. Come on, not a passive faith saying, we'll see, we'll see, we'll, well, you know, we'll see, whatever. No, no, an aggressive faith. says, I ain't going back to this. I'm going to start to be aggressively thinking, aggressively speaking, aggressively giving, aggressively loving, aggressively praying, aggressive against bad forces that want to steal my mind and my peace. I'm not going to tolerate that anymore. I'm going to get back my sight. And I, in one night, and I'll use this story because it, it makes sense. You brought his name up earlier. I was with my friend Tim Story many, many years ago, back 2003 or four, and two people were brought from blind people's school at UCLA, and this I end with. They brought in, they both had walkers, and they both had, or they both had sticks, and they were brought in by an attendant. And they sat down for the service. After the service was done, the a friend of ours who's a policeman said, hey, can you come and pray for our friend? She's blind, a diabetes in late 20s young lady, and she, she lost diabetes and she can't see. And we go, absolutely, we'd, we'd gladly do that. So we went to, we had to pray for her, and she goes, I think something good could happen. Go ahead and do it. And so we prayed for her, and nothing happened. She goes, no, nah, it didn't work. Do it again. Went to pray again. Nothing happened. Do it again. Okay. Prayed again. Third time. Boom. She just fell down. She fell down. She got up, and then she goes, I, I don't see anything. Do it again. Pray again. She was like, I ain't coming out of here like this. She prayed again that fourth time. She just had this faith. I wasn't going to quit. Prayed again. Boom. She went down. And we got her up. And all of a sudden she goes, there's flickering. I can see. I can see. She started slapping my friend Tim. He, our friend Tim. He's black. She started, I can see your black face. <laughs> no joke. That's what happened. She started slapping him. It was turning pink like me. Come on, somebody. 
She goes, I can see this is real. It was like, a, a, it was the greatest miracle I've ever seen. And I've seen people come out of comas. I've seen people in the hospital. This was the greatest. I'm, I'm, I'm toning it down from how theatrical it was. She was a Catholic woman. Not even, she was lighting candles before. Come on. Now she couldn't see. In a moment, Jesus gave her back her sight. She was in blind people's school, UCLA. She turns to her friend that was with her. This is real. This isn't a gimmick. This isn't like what you saw like, or heard about before, like false stuff. I really can see you. Come on, get your sight. She goes, no, I don't want it. No, 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 no. You can really have it. You can, this could be the moment. You could get your vision. You could get it right here. No, no, no. I'm okay. I don't want it. No, you don't have to go back to blind people's school. You can really see. I can really see your face. I can see your hair. Come on, please. We've developed a relationship. Don't go back to that. You don't have to. God's here. It can open up your eye. He can open up your eyes right now. No, I don't want to. True story. I walked out of the Faith Community Church, West Covina, California, Dr. Jim Reeve. I walked out with a woman on my right who came in with a blocking stick like this, and she could see completely with the stick underneath her arm. The lady on my left, bless her heart, wonderful soul, as much value as that woman on the on my right. But she decided that night a decision. I'm going to stay blind. Today, that one is blind and walks with a stick, and other people take care of her, and she lives off assistance because of her diagnosis, where she had the same opportunity for the other woman that walked out and be completely fine today and completely healed. Don't be the one that walks out and says, well, I'm going to stay the way I am. Come on, someone stir yourself up. Come on and use your faith. I'm going to pray for a couple people real quick. How many got something good out of today? Thanks for letting me take off my shirt in church. Who's having nerve problems and you have nerve problems in your body? Like you, you have nerve problems. Can I pray for you real quick? Are you okay? Okay, cool. You say, well, what's, what are you going to do when you pray for them? Are they going to fall down? Are they going to create? No, I'm just going to pray for you because I care for you. I grew up in a family where we believed in the cross, but we didn't believe in the healing power of the cross. And if, wait till I call you. If that's okay, I'll, I'll pray for people. No, 100%. But let me do this. Um, I hated watching people suffer because I watched my mom suffer. And so I told God, if I ever going to stand in front of people and talk about you, then I'm going to step out and pray for people. What if they don't get well immediately? It's not for me. God's the healer. I'm going to step out and pray for him, and people's, things are going to happen. Can I tell you, great stuff happens. Something good's going to happen for you today. Where's the nerve problem? Sciatic nerve. Sciatic nerve. Okay. How many believe that God would love to heal this incredible woman? How many know love would do the best? How many believe Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever? Come on. That means he's the same. Okay. And he's going to work through us. So we're going to put your hand toward this wonderful woman. Jesus, if you're anywhere around the neighborhood... I thank you, Jesus, for Passion Life Church, for all of these people of faith that are in here. Let your healing presence right now flow through her mortal body. I command all that pain in her sciatic nerve to go. You're going to feel a warmth go through that whole area. Boom, I command that pain to go right now. And I thank you for healing flowing in that area. Fuse the neurons in that nerve area and create new soft tissue around that area, a creative miracle around that area. I thank you for it right now. In Jesus' name, you, you sense that going through your body? Yes. Yeah. What do you feel? I feel a little warm right here on the back of my leg. Yeah. Okay, move it. Look for healing. Look for healing for a minute. It feels good. Does it feel different? Yeah, yeah, it does. It really... What's the difference? Walk with me just for a minute if you don't mind. Walk, walk with me strong. What's the difference? Um, I feel like I can walk really, really well. <laughs> is, it yes. no, is it normally painful? It usually uh, gets worse at night. Okay. 
We don't got a lot of room. I, would, I was with Paula Abdul the other night. We were talking dancing. That's why I'm dancing with you. Come on. Yes. <laughs> does it feel better for reals? Yes, it does. It feels really good. Yes. Who's touching you? Who's touching you? Jesus is touching you. Yes. Why don't we give Jesus a clap? That's cool that you feel better. And you're, yes. That's awesome. Thank you. God bless you. Somebody else stood up. You have, who has nerve pain in your nerve, like a nerve, nerve pain? Anyone? Anyone? You do? Oh, can I pray for you? Can you come over? Thank you for walking across like a comedian. Where's the pain at, my friend? Um, I just been having, like, where I feel like I shake a lot. Shake a lot? Yeah. Is that your beautiful husband? Yeah. Okay, beautiful husband. Come here, beautiful husband. I uh, have to hold my head up a lot. You have to hold your head up, scaring you? Yeah. Okay. How do we know God's big enough to reverse any nerve damage? And I want to encourage you, too. This is something I began to believe for a year and a half ago that we began to believe are people who had brain injuries from strokes or heart attacks or maybe injuries because of drugs or different things, we'd believe to see them well. And then we were together in a church, a man 75 years old who had his head down and he had to walk. He was like being carried around by his wife like a dog, like, like a little puppy. Like he couldn't lift his head up. He couldn't talk. And he prayed and instantly he felt this thing go through his head. And he, looked, he goes, I got my cognitive mind back. And the man in one moment with a little prayer, the neurons in his brain began to fire and function again by the grace of God. And that man recaptured all of his neurological function and he stopped with the shaking and all that. I'm saying that to encourage you real quick, the testimony of Jesus. This is going to be really good. What's your first name? And your, and your husband's name? Ty. Ty, cool. Hey, would you guys pray for them because we care? Come on, because we care. God loves you. God loves you. When Jesus took 39 lashes on his body, that was so you can be healed. You were in his mind like I was in his mind. You don't know my, my wife's story. She died on operating bed. She came back to life and with a heart condition. I know what it's like, and you're going through something, and it's scary. And at the same time, yeah, and that's going to go. They're going to get your life back. This is going to be a good year for you. Look at me, and that's not a joke. Okay? This is going to be really cool. If you could help this woman right now get her life back, what if we flip the switch? Come on. The power is where in you, Jesus said, come on, God is able to do more than you ask or think by his power at work within you. For that power to work, I got to flip the switch. Come on. I'm going to flip the switch. Come on. Watch how cool this is. Here we go. Jesus, I thank you for your healing presence flowing through my beautiful friend right now. You're going to feel his presence and power go through you. Your lovely husband's got you. You're totally safe. Thank you, Jesus, for bringing an end to also I cancel every plan of the devil against her life to rob her of her health, and to rob her of her great life. I thank you for healing flowing through her neurologically. Lord, I command those neurons to be fused, I pray, where they're stagnant. Fuse them now. Command them to open. And all of that torment, I command it to go now. I break the power of the enemy against your body and against your life and future. And I speak peace over your soul, peace over your mind, peace over your body. Did you feel that? You just feel that go through you? Boom. That's wild. What'd you just feel? A surge of power. What'd you feel? A surge of power. Move your neck around. Move your body around. Watch your stop shaking. Watch. What just happened? For real. Huh? What just happened? Move your body. You think you got healed? (laughs) Is that what you said? That's awesome. Move your neck. Watch how good you feel. Move your body. Bend down. For real. Move all your neck around. 
Now watch how, watch how interesting. She went to go look for the pain immediately because she's used to the pain. Isn't that what we do? Pray for healing and look for pain? Come on, anybody ever done that? Kind of like an oxymoron. Anybody done that? Am I the only one? Come on, I'm guilty. I'm the first hypocrite. Okay? So what's really cool is we shift that where we look for the very thing we're asking God for, right? Isn't that cool? Because healing is the children's bread. Watch that. You're going to feel a warmth go really strong in that area. Aren't you scared God won't show up? I'm not. He's too good not to show up. He doesn't pass over when someone opens the door for him. He loves to go through it. Come on. You, watch it. Move your neck. Watch how good you feel. Is there a difference there? What's the difference? You tell the people. Your husband's right there, by the way. Okay. Um, I just feel like I don't have to hold my head right now. Like I, like I feel like it's sturdy. It's sturdy? When was the last time it felt sturdy? I can't even remember. For real? Months. Months. And you're going to sleep at night? And when I told that story at Facebook of that lady becoming a happy house... That is a prophecy for you. You're going to get all that joy and all that energy back and that innocence back where life's not going to be about suffering. Life's not going to be... There's a new diagnosis over your life. There's a new diagnosis over your life. Every day... And here's, you want your medicine? Here's your medicine. Every day you can go, God, thank you. I'm getting better and better in every day in every way. Thank you. I got new joy. I got new energy. You're not going to even ask God for things anymore. You're just going to start thanking him that you have them. Smith Wigglesworth, anybody ever heard of that guy? He raised 11 people from the dead. Pretty powerful guy back some years ago. They said, what did you do in the first mornings when you, when you get up in the morning? He goes, I never consult my feelings to decide what kind of day I'm going to have. He said this. He said, I would run around 10 minutes around my house and shout all the blessings that God gave me and how great the day was going to become. Then I'd eat breakfast, take a shower, and read the Bible for an hour, and I went and had a great day. He said, I just run around saying, thank you, God, for all the blessings in my life. Isn't that amazing? I just read that actually long ago. But you're going to be happy house and a lot of joy and energy and things are going to come back to you that you felt like, oh my gosh, my life, is this going to be my life suffering? No, it's not. There's a new diagnosis. We're divorcing that story. And if you've been on medication, you're going to find a difference too. You're going to, you're going to wean off and you're going to feel better just where you're going to feel better and you're going to feel more clear and things in your brain. God's giving you back life. He restores your soul. He's restored. I'm not giving you a bunch of fluff. This is your life. For real, for real. You ready? Yeah. And you're going to find that shout inside you. Come on. I feel like I'm like, have it, like I feel like I'm, I don't know, like I'm almost want to go back there by habit to, to grab and hold. But does that mean? Maybe you could hold your, your husband's hand with that hand. That's a better way, huh? Look how good looking he is. Isn't that cool, though? Isn't it different? Move your neck all around. That's not there, huh? That's not there. And look at all that shaking. Stop. All that anxiousness is going to stop. Your serotonin levels are going to get better. Because God is that good. God is that good. Our prayers are not that good. God is that good. And he loves you. And that's just going to be something you say around your house all the time. God loves me. God loves me. I receive his love today. Yeah, let it become easy. Don't convince him to go big. He's big without you trying to convince him. That's why they call him God. Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information about Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com.